Dam created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. San Diego Police calling all cars. Attention all cars, broadcast 82. 5-1, a Chinese merchant has been found murdered in his store. That's all. Thousands of you who listen to this program tonight will drive into a Rio Grande station tomorrow and buy Rio Grande cracked gasoline. As the attendant fills your tank, you'll probably notice other brands of gasoline priced a few cents less per gallon. To reassure you that you are still getting more value for your money, even though you pay a couple of cents more per gallon for Rio Grande cracked, let me give you some technical information. Cut price gasoline is not good for your engine because it does not burn completely. Do you realize that inside your cylinders at least 9,000 separate fires are started, burned and extinguished every minute? Unless your gasoline burns completely in a split second, it goes to waste and ruins your motor oil. In Rio Grande Crack, you have a balanced gasoline with some parts that ignite instantly for fast starting, other parts that burn rapidly to give you acceleration, and the heavy parts that give you power as they burn. The famous Rio Grande cracking process separates gasoline to these three parts to ensure that it burns evenly and that no power is wasted. If you use uncracked, cut-price gasolines, you get unbalanced performance. Some cheap gasolines are all flashed, but they start fast, and then they lack speed and power. Because the heavy units of power are not cracked up, they fail to burn completely. These heavy, unburned parts cause carbon. They destroy the oil seal around your piston. They dilute your crankcase oil so fast that it's often ruined in 200 miles. Your motor keeps on running, it's true, even on the cheapest gasoline and the thinnest oil. But every mile means weight, wear, and repair bills that cost you many times the few pennies you save on cut-price gasoline. That's one reason why so many western cities that keep records of automobile operating costs specify Rio Grande cracked gasoline. It powers more police cars and emergency engines than any other brand. And now we are honored to welcome back to Calling All Cars the chief of the San Diego Police Department, George M. Sears. Good evening, friends. I wonder how many of you citizens listening to this program realize how important little things might be to the solution of a different, difficult case. In the story selected tonight, all the wisdom and guile of the Orient was matched against the patience of American police and as usual, the police won. Only those who have attempted to solve a major crime in which Orientals are involved can appreciate the difficulties to be faced. Hours of work must be done, where minutes might suffice when working with members of other races. For that reason, this story tonight is most interesting, because it proves once again that no criminal is smart enough to avoid leaving some clue, thus proving again that time does not pay. Tonight is late in San Diego's old Chinatown, 50 
He is walking his feet. Patrolman George Wilson is approached by Quan Chok, a venerable Chinese merchant. Help me, please. I need very much help from police, man. Yeah, what's the matter, Kwan? I wait for my friend, Sai Wah. I wait one, two, maybe three hours. We go doctor, but Sai Wah, he no come. I go Sai Wah's door. Door he lock. Maybe you saw something uh, wrong with Sai Wah. Well, maybe he went without you. Oh, no, he not do that. Maybe so you come open up for Sai Wah's door. Well, I don't know whether I should or not. Oh, yes, yes, you must come. Which door is it? Uh, just down there are two, three doors. Uh, so with the uh, lead front. Well, uh, first, let's ask that lady at the next house whether she seems I walk. Oh, uh, anyway, I ask. Uh, she uh, tells her story walk. Ah, hello, you, senor young, the uh, then she hear a big sound noise coming uh, from Sai Wai's place. Oh, maybe we ought to investigate. Oh, uh, yes, please. You open place up, huh? Yeah, I'll try some keys on this door. Oh, that won't do. Oh, that one. And I guess we'll have to break it in. Well, <coughs> oh, nothing out of place in here. Uh, we go back room, huh? Yeah, uh, five thousand dollars. You give me one. Five thousand dollars. 
Inspector Bowden and Detective Sergeant Sears, armed with John Doe Warren, round up more than 50 Chinese suspects during the afternoon and early evening. And when Chadwick and Carson return to headquarters to question them, they are met by Quan Jock and Quan Chi. Hello, Quan Jock. What's on your mind? I did hear my friend Quan Chi. He wants to talk to you. Oh, how do you do, Quan Chi? His humble person is infinitely honored. Why have you not solicited the murder of my friend, Taiwan? Well, we're doing all we can. It is not enough. You arrest two of my friends, but you do not arrest Taiwan's murderer. Well, who are the friends we've arrested? Uh, Henry Duxon, Why do you arrest him? I want them released. Impossible, Quincy. We must hold them until we investigate their alibis. Uh, they are not guilty. They are my friends. I'm sorry, Quincy, but it's necessary. You'll have to permit us to make this investigation in our own way. You cannot insult honorable men in this fight. And you can dictate how we run our police department. Good evening. About his son's death. Yes, but you're quite right in handling him the way he did. I beg your pardon, Captain. Yes, sir. Chief Montana, Pier One, I called while you were out to dinner, and he said he'd be in shortly to report about C. Good. Yeah, and I've got a report on the bloody hand mark you found at the scene of the crime. Yeah? What is it? It's Cy Wah's own hand. What? Yep. And the cleaver we found has been identified by Kong Chuck as belonging to Cy Wah, too. Now, isn't that sweet? Our only clues circle right back on themselves. According to all we've discovered, Saiwar robbed his own face, murdered himself with his own cleaver, and then left his own fingerprints with which to identify himself as his own murderer. How am I going nuts? Oh, you're just handling an oriental homicide. Huh? Oh, send him in. Chief Montana's outside. Now we'll find out about the Tijuana dope angle. Oh, good evening, Chief. When is no, senor. You know all these gentlemen, I believe. Oh, see, indeed, yes. Well, did you question Key? See, he admits writing the note, but he was much surprised when I told him Saiwa was murdered. I asked him about the threat, and he said that he mean to turn Saiwa over to the authorities for diamond smuggling if he did not enter into a business arrangement with him. Oh, diamond smuggling enters into the plot. I do not believe that part of it. I think that Key would have sent his hatchet men after Saiwa if he had refused to play. Oh, you say, play ball with him. Then maybe Key did have him killed. That wouldn't account for the robbery angle. No, no, I am convinced that Key knew nothing of his death until I talked to him. Well, we're just as far now as we were this morning when Wilson discovered the body. Yes, Sergeant. An note for you. Who from? That girl, Nellie Murphy, Murphy we booked for possession. Oh, let me have it. Oh, maybe this will develop. Hmm. <laughs> he wants to talk to me. Bring her in, Sergeant. Yes, sir. You know, there's nothing like a few hours in jail to make him loosen up, Mr. Chief. It usually works. And do you know this Millie Murphy? Millie Murphy. Fat and blonde? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, yes. She's one of Key's girls. That's what I thought. Here she is, Captain. Come on in, Millie. You wanted to talk to me? Yeah. Alone. Okay. You gentlemen will excuse us. Of course. Just wait outside a few moments. Yeah, and don't try tuning on no dictaphone. All right, Millie. What's on your mind? Listen, you found a deck of snow on me, and I got some information I think will help. But I don't like cops, see? I won't even try to make a trade with you. What do you mean? My freedom for my information. Well, I can't promise. I told you I ain't asking for anything. I don't like cops, and I wouldn't lower myself to make a deal with you. 
I'm giving you this information because I like Cy He was a good guy, and I'd like to see the rat that bumped him off taken care of. Okay. What do you got? Look here. That bindle you found on me was for Quan Chi. He, down in Tijuana, wanted to use Cy as an agent instead of Quan Chi. Cy mm-hmm. was on the level. He wouldn't play, but he figured he could get him in line. If he had, Quan Chi would have been bounced. Now, what do you think? Well, it sounds fishy to me. Huh? Okay, I'm giving it to you for what it's worth. Like Quan Chi claims to be Saiwal's best friend. Uh-huh. He was in here a little while ago, highly indignant because we hadn't caught the murderer yet. Sure, covering up. Quan Chi's smart. I wouldn't expect a dumb flatfoot like you to understand it. Oh, is that so? Yeah, that's so. Well, all right, I'll work on your tip. Well, I don't care whether you work on it or not. Only let me get back to my cell. I'm losing my beauty sleep. Sergeant, take this girl back to her cell. Yes, sir. And ask the other gentleman to come in. Right. Well, how about it? What did you find out from her? I don't know. Probably a pipe dream. But I'm so dizzy now, I'll work on any tip. What do you mean? Just this. We're going to raid Quan Chi's tonight. Officers find Quan Chi and his beautiful young wife smoking opium. Quickly bundling him off to jail, Chadwick and his men search the place. Behind Quan Chi's storeroom, they find his office. Yeah, well, this is a pleasant place to work. No windows, no air, and only one electric light. What's that to a Chinaman when he has this? What? Opium, cocaine, and morphine right here in the desk drawer. Let me take a look at it. Hmm. That's a personal supply, but large enough for an excuse to hold him for questioning. Captain, Captain, look what I found. What? A pair of blood-stained slippers. Blood-stained slippers? Where did you find them? Outside in the alley in the garbage can. That's what we're looking for, boys. If these slippers match the footprints found at Siwas, we've got the murderer. That night, the Bureau of Identification examines the slippers, find that they fit the footprints found at the scene of the crime find that they are size seven and a half. When Sergeant Chadwick tries to discover which of his suspects wears size seven and a half shoes, he meets another baffling disappointment. Oh, hello, Bowden. I'm glad you dropped in. I'm up a tree again. What do you got there on the desk? These are the shoes of Henry Duck Chung, Song Chow, and Quan Chi. And here are the blood-stained shoes we found at Quan Chi's. Well, whose foot fits the bloody shoe? They all do. They're all seven and a half. Why? Yeah. Seems that every Chinese in San Diego wears the same size shoe. Well, I'm beginning to be stumped myself. And that's Quan Chuck to come down and help us. But first, I want Quan Chi to have a look at these. He's waiting outside. Uh... Bring Quan Chi in, please. Captain, I am one of Taiwan's best friends. I have offered reward for the capture of his murderer, and you are at me. Now, just a minute, Quan. Calm down. You shall hear from the Chinese government about this. You have caused me to lose faith. Now, relax, will you? I want to ask you a question. What is the question? Ever see these shoes before? Where did you get them? I found them behind your house last night. They are mine. I threw them away a week ago. Or did you throw them away night before last after you murdered Chai Wong? Excuse me, I am innocent. You will pay. You see. You will pay. 
Take him away, Sergeant. Yes, sir. And Captain, Quan Chalk is waiting to see you. All right, send him in. Yes, sir. Come along, you. Come in, Quan Chalk. Oh, have you elected the Quan Chi? I suspect him of murdering Tsai Oh, but that does not seem possible. I found these shoes outside his house last night. They fit the bloody footmarks of Tsai Oh, please, let me see those shoes. There you are. Oh, why, these belong to Tsai What? Yes, these are Saiwa shoes. See, he puts this mark in all his shoes. An embroidered star. I give up. There's nothing about this case that makes sense. And to baffle the police further, a blood-stained, lightweight suit is found buried in the sand near the bayside. Investigation of laundry marks found in the suit reveals that it had been worn at various times by Song Chao, Henry Duck Chung, and Quan Chi. The investigation is caught in an insidious, vicious circle. And Chadwick and Sears decide to act. With the detail of two men, they return to Quan Chi's uh, shop. You know, it seems a shame to tear the joint up, Chadwick. I know it, but I'm convinced that this Quan Chi knows more than he's willing to tell. As it says in the play, he protests too much. What play? Oh, never mind. What I mean is he makes too much noise about his innocence. Whatever he's hiding, we're going to find it, and we have to take this place apart stick by stick. Okay, boys, that on his door casing. These Chinese go in for hidden panels and stuff like that. I'm going to look through these closets. Yes, Captain? Better go over these walls in play and tap them for all the hiding places. Okay. Finally, 
All is in readiness. Well, it sure looks like a screwy setup to me. Well, anything's worth a try. I tell you, Chadwick, we can't get a confession out of him by straight questioning. You can't make a Chinaman talk if he don't want to. And he's as susceptible to psychology as the next human being. Yeah, but these props, an executioner's sword. Oh, he'll recognize it. We took it in the raid of a joss house ten years ago. And all those blood-stained axes. The effective weapon of the old-time hatchet man. Kwon Chi knows their purpose. Yeah, but I don't see All right, leave it all to me. All right. Send Kwon Chi in now. Let me handle the show. Okay. Sit down, Kwon Chi. Are you ready to talk? I have nothing to say. Now, look here, Kwon. We found $20,000 and more in that hidden locker of yours. One of the $100 bills had a bloody fingerprint on it, and that print was yours. We've got you dead to rights. Now, why don't you confess? I have nothing to confess. Quan Chi, you know what this is? It is the knife of Hong, the executioner. It wasn't so many years ago that a merchant called Wing Lo killed a man of his out here in San Diego. And his tongue settled the affair with this knife. And the mighty muscle Hong raised the knife high above his head and brought it down with all his force. The knife quivered in the block just as it's quivering in the floor there. But Wing Lo's head lay silently beneath it. Oh, now then, I'm forgetting. You saw that execution, Quan Chi. My inferior intellect is unable to comprehend why I'm asked to witness this ridiculous demonstration. Oh, no reason at all. I was just reminiscing about old times and wondering whether Sai Wars Tong still had an executioner as capable as Hong which would be of no concern to me. Well, it might, if you compel us to give you your freedom. My undistinguished attainments in the art of logic prevent me from understanding the progress of your argument. And these may help. You recognize them? The weapons of the hatchet man. Yes. This one here is particularly interesting. See those brown marks on it? I see. That is the dried blood of Sam Gee. Remember him? I do not. Sam Gee died the death of a thousand cuts in San Francisco for some trifling offense, such as killing his friend. And parts of his dismembered body were found all along the highway, all the way south to San Diego. And they say the dead man's brothers got their revenge. I will not permit my presence to be contaminated by such swinish mouthing. Now, now, Quan, relax. Just one thing more. I got a letter from Saiwa's brother in San Francisco this afternoon, and he begs me to tell him who murdered Saiwa. He has promised his ancestors vengeance on the murderers of his brother. And you know what that means, Quan Chi. Should Saiwa's brother set out to find his murderer, we would be powerless, and nothing we could do would prevent another murder. A horrible murder, preceded by exquisite torture. Your murder! I would say that the only place, safe place for Sai Wa's murderer would be behind the thick walls of San Quentin, or dead, painlessly by a jerk of the rope, rather than by the death of a thousand cuts. Don't you agree with me, Quan Chi? It is written in the third book of Quan Futze. The wise man chooses the swirling stream in preference to the path by the fire dragon's cave. I 
I'm guilty. I kill Saiwa.